And I truly hope that you appreciate it. You know, I for many years took good worship for granted until we arrived in Swellendam. On a good week, you have like six people at church, Brother Adams. I've made two friends there, and they've said to me, Pastor, since our baptism, we haven't been to any other church. We haven't had that experience. And I promised one of them, the next time I come to Belleville Church, you must come with me and, and experience some good Adventist worship. Thank you to the leaders and, um, and the board for, for what you are doing here. Thank you for a beautiful Sabbath school, young people. Thank you for winding up the lessons so, so well. And thank you, Elder Lynx, for the privilege of being God's mouthpiece this morning. I am privileged to be here um, with my wife and our children from Joburg. Um, you heard my, my youngest grandson in the back there. He's a running commentary. I noticed that when you spoke about the young people this morning, there's a mentorship idea there. And I think with Uncle Charles's absence, oh, how I miss those seats them in their seats this morning. But I think you could mentor him to take over Uncle Charles's position and be the running commentator <laughs> for the speaker. It is good to be with you. Um, you have read the scripture reading. I'm not going to reread it um, because we're going to, to cover the principles again during the sermon. I've entitled the Lord's message to us this morning commanding your cadence, commanding your cadence. Let's pray. Amen. Heavenly Father, your grace truly amazes us. Your word tells us that when something sinful comes into, a pres into the presence of a righteous God, it is consumed. And yet we are able to stand before you because your mercy has not consumed us. We commit this hour to you, Lord. It's hot. We're not going to ask you to cool us down. We're going to ask you to warm us up spiritually with a flame of living fire. Let it burn in our hearts. And the experts promised rain later today. We ask that after you've burned in our hearts, you would shower down your blessings on us. Take the mouthpiece and use it to the honor and glory of your name, for Christ's sake. Amen. I want to speak to us this morning about a word that's not a very popular word. In fact, the word is hardly considered, but it's at the core of our being. And yes, you know the word already. It's the word cadence. Cadence. What is cadence? They tell me that cadence is a flow of rhythm of events, or it is the timing or spacing at which events can happen. In my own words, I would therefore say that cadence is the, the grid by which we live our life. Most often the word cadence is used to describe the movement of someone's voice 
of either his speaking or his reading pattern. Now, having mentioned that, I'm going to ask you, please refrain from now starting to study my speaking or reading pattern, because the Lord has a, another message for us. But we know those of us who are into audio books, there are times when the reader has to, has to hasten his rhythm. There are times when he has short pauses or she, and then long pauses. There are times in, when the drama is action that, 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 that the reader has to, to raise his or her voice. It's a terrible thing to listen to a book with a boring monotone narrator. Now, those of you who are not into audio books, um, think of, of music for a while. Because cadence is true in music as well. Think of the song you just listened to. And when your heart got the beat of that song, your whole spirit just moved along. And if you are really into rhythm, you probably felt that rhythm right in the core of your being. However, rhythm can be orderly or chaotic. Irrespective of what it is, it is still rhythm. And just like music or reading or public speaking, there's a right rhythm and a wrong rhythm, and there's a right and a wrong rhythm even to life itself. In other words, there's a healthy cadence and an unhealthy cadence. But before we get into that, let me direct you firstly to a divine cadence. I want to suggest to you that our God is a God of cadence. Our God is a God of rhythm. I don't know about you, but when I read the first chapter of the Bible, it just flows and overflows with rhythm. There's a repetition of key phrases there. And God said, and God said, and God said, let there be, let there be, let there be, let there be. And it was so, and it was so, and it was so, and it was so. And it was good, and it was good, and it was good. The cadence is further emphasized by it was evening and morning the first day. It was evening and morning the second day. It was evening and morning the third day. I imagine in my mind that, that by the time God got to the second or third day of creation, he just got into the groove of the rhythm of creation. And he said to himself, I've got to take this to a crescendo as I reach the peak of my creation. I've got to create something so much like myself that it will reflect my own divine cadence. And so the Lord God made man in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And at that moment, he started cadence in man. As soon as he breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life, there was cadence as his heart started beating. Thathum. 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 God created him with cadence. And ever since then, when a newborn baby is born, that first baby's, that baby's first breath speaks of cadence or rhythm. Yeah, where? 
And it doesn't matter if that baby is Hindu or Buddhist or Confucianist. At the first breath, the name of the Creator God and in the rhythm of that first breath, the name of the Almighty Creator is confirmed. And so God created within us a moment-by-moment -moment cadence which determines the pattern for our whole being. That pattern is followed by the rising and the setting of the sun. He instituted there at creation a weekly cadence of work and rest which is marked by the Sabbath. And then he gave us a monthly cadence marked by 12 lunations of the moon and then an orbital cadence which determines our 365 and a quarter days. But that cadence did not end at creation. We see it later with the introduction of the Jubilee year. We see it with the introduction of the annual feasts which his people were admonished to, to observe. You know, friends, one of the wonderful things about life and about God is the rhythm we get from him. We see it all around us. We see it in the migration and the return of the birds. We see it in the coming in and the going out of the tide, of the tide. We see God's cadence imprinted upon the earth in the heavens. Our senses are aware of the rhythm of the world. We can smell the air on certain days, and we can tell what the weather will be like as we've become accustomed to the rhythm of climate. Our God is a God of, own, of order. Our master designer is a creator of cadence. And because he's a God of cadence, and because he created us in his image, he doesn't just have cadence, but that cadence um, permeates into our community as well. One of the best places I believe we find community cadence or cadence is in our relationship with one another. Today we take a deeper look at how our individual lives find strength and encouragement in the rhythm that we have with others. I refer to it as the cadence of community. And just like the cosmos or your calendar, they are both healthy and unhealthy rhythms in relationships. But I thank God that the Bible gives followers of Jesus some very clear instructions with regard to fellowship, to community, to relationship. Actually, much of the Old and the New Testament speaks about the issues of relationships, relationships between groups, relationships between cultures, relationships between neighbors. And so while this isn't exactly breaking news, thinking about relationships in terms of rhythm and cadence is something that we don't often do. So let's get started. Have you ever been to a play or a musical? 
My wife went to bed early the other night. I couldn't fall asleep, and so I got up and I watched the timeless Christmas ballet, The Nutcracker. The Nutcracker is a beautifully choreographed dance between actors and dancers. At times, it just effortlessly sweeps in its scope of musicality and movement. And at other times, it is precise and intimate. And that's exactly how the cadence of relationship works in our lives. It is sweeping and robust at times, and it is intimate at, and precise on other occasions. But it's a dance, dear friends, that we all must learn. And some catch the dance more quickly than others. Similar to practicing dance steps and moves, the dance of relationships, how we engage and interact with others, has its own set of steps. It has its own tempo and rhythm by which it moves along. And when we, when we, when we play that tempo or rhythm, we've got to negotiate with others. Sometimes these steps are verbalized and we open pray that the other person and ourselves know the contents clearly. Sometimes these steps are not even discussed, but they are silent, and sometimes they are just time-honored practices. What am I talking about? I'm talking about taking a gift to a wedding, taking a gift to a birthday party. It's like showing up on time when agreeing to meet a friend for dinner. It's like responding to a WhatsApp message, which I'm not good at, in a timely manner. These may seem like small things. It may seem like inconsequential things. But it's the little things that go into the dance. In the nutcracker, it's every cue, it's every toe lift, it's every note that the orchestra plays. And it all works together to make a beautiful presentation. Romans 8 verse 28 reminds us that all things in life work together for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. So fellowship is a gift. Community is a gift. Church family is a gift. And in that gift, God has woven rhythm into our lives. So what guidance does the Word of God give for our rhythm in relationships? I believe that Acts 2, 42 to 47 describes the life of the church perfectly. It reads, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And it ends by saying, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Amen. You know, when I read this passage, even now when I read it, a few things just jumped up 
at me. It just jumped at, up at me. Ideas or principles such as devotion, teaching, prayer, generosity, praise and salvation. And I'm curious, I would be curious to know what came to your mind as you thought about church and community while we read these texts. The church planter Rick Warren wrote a successful book, The Purpose Driven Church. And in there he identifies principles of a successful church and he bought those principles on this text. He summarized all of it at the end of the book and he says, churches grow warmer through fellowship. Churches grow deeper through discipleship. Churches grow stronger through worship. Churches grow broader through ministry. Churches grow larger through evangelism. And so it's all necessary to have a successful community. You see, there's a healthy cadence in church. Fellowship, discipleship, worship, ministry, evangelism. These are the cadences of community. And as I said at the beginning, I believe that at Belleville, you have something special. I know what's happening here. I may not be here every week. But I know what's happening here. Even if I'm busy on a Sabbath, Brother Crouch, Saturday night, thank God for the technical team at the back and the multimedia ministry, I log on to Belleville Church. I know about the Christmas program last week. I even know what your nominating report. <laughs> I know what that looks like. I know about your Sabbath afternoons when the church is educated to proper hymn singing and interpretation of the hymns. I know about your Pathfinder involvement, your youth and your welfare activities. And I want to exhort you as we end this year and go on to the new year to keep commanding those cadences. Amen. Keep up with the good. I know that such a program, to run such a program, requires a lot of careful and prayerful preparation. And many times the, 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 the patience of the leaders is tested when someone doesn't get back or doesn't get back in time. And if that perhaps is your um, weakness this morning, Pledge that in the new year I will be more cooperative. I will command that cadence so that we can take this to a new level. As you enter the new year, may you continue your cadences of teaching. Teaching the word. May you continue your cadence of singing with the spirit and understanding. May you continue your cadence of nurturing the youth and the pathfinders, your cadence of welfare and evangelism and multimedia evangelism and home visitation. I heard on your, on your, on, on, on your channel or your YouTube or whatever they call it that you're getting a new pastor. Many pastors today have forgotten the importance of home visitation 
continue, as Elder Links mentioned, when he thanked your previous pastor for his home visitation, continue the cadence of home visitation. For it was Dwight Moody who said, a home-going pastor produces a church-going member. Continue the cadence, remembering that if the church concentrates on building people, God will build the church. Building the church isn't my job. It's not your pastor's job. It's not the elder's job. That's the work of God. Our work is to win and nurture people for the kingdom. I notice from your nominating report that you have something that many churches don't have, and that's a spirit of prophecy director. Oh, how I love the spirit of prophecy. And let me tell you, many times we misuse it. We've got to forgive ourselves, and God must forgive us for that. Please, when you, when you, when you do anything relating to spirit of prophecy, can I ask you to stay away from the compilations? The compilations are not as written by our prophetess herself. The compilations are dangerous. They took a quote here and a quote there and they lump it all together. So when you read the compilations, you don't have the context of the quotation. Rather resort to the, to the books that, that she has read. In these last days, we need the spirit of prophecy. My prayer is that if we have forgotten about those books, that we would command our cadence to take out those little red books again. We live in an age when the deception is great. There was a time when we said seeing is believing. We can't trust our eyes anymore. We can't trust our ears anymore. But I thank God we have a more sure word of prophecy. Keep the prophetic cadence that God has started this church with. As we gain momentum toward the coming of Christ, may the church continue to command its cadence in ministry to the lost, in nurturing the saved, and in worship to our sovereign Lord. So there's a divine cadence. There's a community cadence. I also want to suggest to you that there's a personal cadence. Every one of us sitting here this morning has a rhythm in our lives. The question is, is the rhythm life-giving or is it exhausting? Does the rhythm allow you to flourish and thrive, or does the rhythm keep you overwhelmed? You see, commanding your cadence, taking control of your rhythm, brings chaos to order. Commanding your cadence turns hope into habits. Commanding your cadence provides flexibility within structure. Commanding your cadence will enable you to live the abundant life. You know, I love the marching band. In my day, we called it the, the bibis, the bugle club. I couldn't say bugle as a little boy, so I said the bugle club. <laughs> 
The marching band is something that I like. And I remember as a little boy walking through the streets of Nuwarqasakh, following the band, and late at night I had to make my way home. Last Sabbath I preached in Robertson and we went for lunch with some friends. And when we came out as we left to go home, I heard in the distance the sound of drums and trumpets. And I asked, what's that? And the person said to me, oh, that's the Christmas band. They marched through Robertson this time of the year. And I must confess to you, when I heard that, my feet started itching. I thought of marching in the band as a pathfinder. I thought of marching with the band in the End It Now campaigns. To me, marching is extremely impressive as a group of people are marshaled and they are led by the leader to move along with a certain pace while wonderful music is being played. What stands out for me in a band is the drum section. That would not go well with many Adventists, but it's okay. Some marching bands, in fact, are, are mostly drums, and the drummers are guided by the drum major. He's like the choir conductor. He sets the pace, and he determines different music with different beats and a different pace. Do you know that each and every one of us, we've got a drummer inside of us? When we talk about life, we even speak, refer to it as marching to the beat of the drum. We all have within us a drummer. And your drum beat and mine goes every day you might not even be aware of it, but it drives you, it moves you, it functions at your very core. Think of your heart, as I said earlier, thatham, thatham, thatham. As you're sitting here, your, your drummer is going inside your body. We don't just have spiritual cadence, but we also have a biological one. And to get our biological cadence in step, we need to conform to God's health laws. That's a sermon for another time. So the question is, dear folk, do you know what your drumbeat is? Do you know what drives you? The Greek philosopher Socrates says, said, that the unexamined life is not worth living. The unexamined life is not worth living. And so there comes a time in our lives, and we are in that period right now, when we are about to make a new start with a new year. There comes a time when reflection is necessary. There comes a time when we need to do introspection. There comes a time when we need to examine our priorities. There comes a time when you need to ask yourself, am I doing what beats in my heart of hearts? Am I really fulfilling God's purpose for me? Our drum beats could spring from different things. Your drumbeat could be what it is because of a childhood hurt or slight. Your drumbeat could be what it is because you are seeking honor. It could be as a result of insecurity about your personal value. 
It could be a need to get even. It could be a need to get right. It could be driven by humility. It could be driven by a quest for wealth. It could be driven by a desire for prestige. It could be driven by a desire to serve others. It could be driven by a belief that to abandon something means failure. It could be driven by a desire to serve God better and to seek his kingdom. It could be a feeling of always getting the short end of the stick and being shunned and marginalized. It could be a competitive sibling or colleague or friend or neighbor or any other family member. The fact is that the list is long. And as long as there are different individuals on earth and a variety of motivators or sources for our drumbeat, so our, our triggers could be different. But what our drumbeat is, shows, and it's evident. You may try and deny it, but those who are watching you can see what your drumbeat is. The Apostle Peter, friend of Jesus, writes about two drumbeats that Christians can follow. 1 Peter 4, 1 to 5. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, Arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do. They live in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies and drinking parties, and lawless idolatry, he says. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in their same flood of debauchery. They malign you, but they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. And so Peter describes for us two drumbeats. He says there's a pagan drumbeat and there's a spiritual drumbeat. In biblical times, paganism meant someone who doesn't serve and worship the true God. I'm sure that as we look back over the last year, we can identify that the pagan drumbeat in us has been at work at many times. We had more confidence in the one who pays our salary than in the one who promises to supply all of our needs according to his riches in glory. We showed greater commitment to a spouse or a boyfriend or a girlfriend than to the one who gave his life for us and who paid for us with the silver of his tears and the gold of his blood. We paid more attention to sport as a demigod and we neglected our daily devotion. Oh, but I thank God for second chances. As we go into the new year, we can correct our cadence and we can command our cadence and we can build the spiritual drumbeat. We all carry some things from here. They are supposed to dominate us and sometimes they do. But rather than realize or rather than pretend, I should say, we've got everything together, we shouldn't allow it to dominate us. So rather than hiding the drumbeat, confront it. Examine the negative drumbeat. Correct the rhythm. 
and get into timing with God's plan for your life. What am I saying? What am I saying? Know yourself. Be bold enough to face yourself. Identify what's driving you. If something needs to be altered to make us more like Christ, then let it happen. This is the time of the year when we think about New Year's resolutions. Yes, it's okay. Take time to think. Take time to examine. The beauty of life is that you and I choose the cadence of our lives. No one gets to choose it for you. And I don't know about you, but I've decided to make Jesus my example as I examine my cadence. If I study the life of Christ, I cannot help but conclude that Jesus had some basic life rhythms. His first life rhythm was to pause. Our Savior often paused in prayer. I'm so glad that you're starting the year with the 10 days of prayer. I mentioned to Brother Desai at the back a quote that I love by Spurgeon. Spurgeon said, in prayer we have a weapon as powerful as God himself, but we've allowed it to rust. Pause. Pause like Jesus did throughout the day. He renewed his mind. He spoke to the Father. He inquired of the Father. Ellen White says, In his life on earth, Christ made no plans for himself. He daily submitted to the Father so that the Father's will could be fulfilled in his life. Jesus submitted to a divine cadence. Pause, pause. The second priority of Christ, we've spoken about it already, was community. Jesus spent time with the disciples. He spent time with the crowds. He ministered to their needs. I like what the theologian N.T. Wright says. He says, wherever Jesus went, there was a party. He made time for friends and family. He encouraged others. There was eating and there was fellowship and there was celebration wherever Jesus went. And if we were to follow his example, that means that we've got to encourage fellow workers and fellow believers, and we've got to get engaged in ministry amongst the poor, and we've got to celebrate the faith as evidenced in each other. So Jesus had the cadence of pause. He had the cadence of community. He had a cadence of work. He wasn't like us. He didn't have to work for his daily food. He didn't have to work to accumulate wealth. Because if you're a king, you don't have to show it. But he recognized the importance of work. Many times the disciples would hasten him into something which was not in line with his plan. And he would say to them, hold on, hold on. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. For the night cometh when no man can work. Jesus had a cadence of work. He ministered to the lost tirelessly. And then lastly, he had a cadence of rest. He went aside often to be alone with the Father. And because he had a cadence of rest, 
He says to you and I today, come unto me, all you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We studied this week the three angels' messages. Those who are still in Babylon, the Bible says, they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image. But those who worship, who receive the seal of God, they have rest. As we go into the new year, we may have to add to the daily cadences of Jesus' life. To those, I encourage you to add morning and evening worship. Because sadly, some of us have forgotten about us, about that. I encourage you to add to your daily cadence the daily study of the lesson. Daily devotion. I find that I also have weekly cadences. Sabbath worship is important for me. I cannot do without Sabbath worship. I appreciate the exhortation, let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And then the writer says, especially as we see the day approaching when our Lord will return. To your, to your cadence of Sabbath worship, could I suggest that we resolve to add the cadence of punctuality? There are blessings to being at church on time. There are enormous blessings to that. There are monthly cadences. My monthly cadence is budgeting. And for you board members, those of you who have taken on new positions, the most frustrating thing for the pastor and the leaders is when someone who is heading a department is not present at board meeting. Make the board meeting your monthly cadence. There's quarterly cadences. I love the quarterly cadence of communion. Communion is a time when I reaffirm my commitment to the Lord. Communion is my time for a mini-baptism. There's the quarterly cadence of church business meetings. Every baptized member needs to be at church business meetings. This church gives you the opportunity. It is not run from the top down. It's run from the bottom up. And the most voice is held not by those who hold office, but just by the ordinary common member. Make the business meeting a part of your quarterly cadence. I have annual cadences, medical checkups. Some of you students will start a new academic year. Take stock of your career. Take that holiday that you deserve and have those essential cadences. So why is commanding cadence so important in life? I want to suggest to you that if you command your cadence, it facilitates your habits. Habits are some of the most powerful elements of our life. Ellen White writes in Christ's Object Lessons, page 356, actions repeated form habits. Habits form character, and by character, our destiny is decided. So command your habits. Secondly, 
Why commanding cadence is important? It helps us to set our priorities. You know, life has a way of just coming at you. It's like a stream that overflows. And if you don't set priorities, then life will derail you. If you don't have a cadence, you're going to become aimless. We're going to drift off course and off our purpose. You can be listless in life, but having command of your cadence serves to get you back on track and to live your purpose. Now in music, I believe, help me Leroy, I believe that in music there's a strange thing that's called syncopation. Syncopation. And they tell me that syncopation is when a variety of rhythms are played together to make the piece of music offbeat. More simply, syncopation is a disturbance. It's an interruption in the regular flow of rhythm. It's a placement of rhythmic stress or accents where they wouldn't usually occur. In life, we have so many syncopated rhythms. So often life flows smoothly for us just when we want it to go and then all of a sudden a wrinkle is thrown into the equation. I think this church has had in the last year its fair share of syncopated rhythms. We've had so many deaths, we've had so many funerals from this church and death is a great syncopator. Death makes you reprioritize your, your priorities. Death can bring chaos. I remember the day started out perfectly for me, 22 May 2023. And then as afternoon drew on, I was sitting at my computer, just working away merrily, when all of a sudden news came of my baby sister's death, and it ruined my day. I had to rearrange a preaching plan. I had to, there were un, unplanned expenses that I had to deal with. I was in Joburg just a few weeks before that, and now I had to return. I had to be there for funeral arrangement. Death just seems to claim diplomatic immunity over us and come and have its sway as it rearranges our perfect syncopation. My friend, your syncopation may be or may have been in the form of a child who came and said to you, Mommy and Daddy, I'm enslaved to it and I don't know how to get out of it. Mommy, I realize in myself abnormal sexual tendencies. Please help me. Your syncopation may have come through illness or hospitalization. And at such times we are required to be agile and to command new cadences in our lives. The not so good news is that there will be many more syncopations in 2024. There'll be more illness, there'll be more deaths, there'll be more emergencies, but we serve a God who created even syncopation. I remember Uncle L.T. Joshua fighting some Amorite kings one day, and he noticed that the sun was going down and he wanted to defeat the enemy before that happened and so he prayed to God and God and he commanded the sun to stand still. God syncopated time 
to come through for Joshua and his people. I remember Gideon who said, Lord, I don't know what your plan is, so Lord, I'm going to throw out the fleece. And God syncopated climate and weather patterns to give Gideon clear indications of where he wanted him to go to. I believe that every time Jesus committed a miracle, Jesus syncopated normal events. He threw them off beat when he raised Lazarus. He threw them off beat when he raised the widow's son at Nain. He threw them off beat when he opened the eyes of the blind man. And when he healed the woman who had suffered from an issue of blood for many, many years. Every miracle was a syncopation. My wife has a heart problem. My wife's heart has an irregular beat. So while yours and mine will beat thump, my wife's heart beats thump, 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 thump. And we consulted the doctors, and they have a fancy word for it, but they said it's not serious. It's nothing to worry about. So I concluded that offbeat probably just happens when she sees me, or when she, or when she thinks of me. So I appreciate the offbeat. <laughs> Syncopation is a beautiful thing. Job 38 and 39 reveals that God knows the details of his creation. He put the laws of physics in place. Colossians 1.17 states that he continues to hold the universe together. He continues to maintain the subatomic particles and the laws of the universe. Our God is the God of the universe. We can be confident that he who created syncopation and offbeat often creates it for ours. The caution is when we command our cadence, we shouldn't be so inflexible about it that we are insensitive to God's, to God's syncopation. Let's be willing and agile enough because he's a syncopation specialist. So our text says, for everything there's a time, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up, a time to weep, and a time to to laugh. I have comments on each of these, but in the interest of time, I'm just going to go through them. A time to throw away stones, a time to gather stones, a time to break things up and a time to build them, a time to establish social structures and relationships with others, and a time to let go of certain relationships. Be bold enough to do that too in the new year. A time to seek and a time to give up something as lost. There's a time to lose. You may have to lose a job. Lose it to get that better one. There's an appropriate time to keep and a time to throw away. Clean out the garage. Throw away and give away and bless someone with the stuff that you don't need. A time to keep silent and a time to speak. Speak up in, in, in defense of justice. A time to love and a time to hate. A time to make war and a time for peace. Yeah, there's a time for everything. As we read the scripture reading, did you get the rhythm? Did you get the cadence? Did you get the negative and the positive? It's like that pot of food, Tracy. There's the negatives and the positives in there. I wouldn't take an onion just like that. Huh? I wouldn't take a spoon of mother-in-law curry powder and eat it just like that. 
But when you put it together with all the other ingredients, it surely makes a good pot of food. In our life's journey, we face many different situations, many experiences, many people. Sometimes there are gains and we laugh. Sometimes there are losses and we cry. Sometimes there are blessings. And sometimes we feel hurt and isolate. Sometimes a song is played and we celebrate. Sometimes we really blow it and we sink. But thank God, sometimes we get it right. And we smile. We have a divine cadence. We have a community cadence. You and I, God within us, a personal cadence. But as we enter 2024, I want to direct you and close with our prophetic cadence. This church was thought based on prophecy. And we serve a God of prophetic precision. With prophetic precision, Israel left slavery in Egypt. With prophetic precision, the time of the judges commenced and ended. With prophetic precision, Babylon felt and Medo-Persia ruled and fell and Greece ruled and was conquered and Rome ruled and was conquered so that right now we are in the time of the ten kingdoms, in fact, in the time of the toenails. With prophetic precision, Jesus was born at the right time and place of his birth. With prophetic precision, the Messiah was anointed. With prophetic precision, the Messiah was cut off or crucified. With prophetic precision, Stephen was stoned. With prophetic precision, we entered the period of the seven churches of Revelation. And we all know that we are now in the Laodicean period of lukewarmness. With prophetic precision, Jesus entered the most holy place and commenced the investigative judgment. With prophetic precision, we had the falling of the stars and the dark day and the moon turning to blood. And now we have the rhythm of political and economic turmoil and natural disaster. Just this week, we heard about floods again in Ladysmith. There are family members here today who lost relatives in that flood. And I'm told from a reliable source that the last movements will be rapid ones. As we go into 2024, the rhythm of prophecy is going to increase. There will be more disasters. They will occur more frequently. But God's divine cadence will gain momentum. These natural disasters we will have will be more. The angels will soon let go of those winds of strife. Jesus will soon take off his high priestly robe and declare, He that is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. The time of trouble is soon to descend upon us. The mark of the beast will soon be imprinted. The saints will soon be sealed. Jesus will come soon. 
the millennium will happen soon at the end of it the new jerusalem will come down soon and the words of jesus there will be no more tears and no more crying and no more pain for the old order of things would pass away would come soon and thereafter we will march in sync to the divine creator for we are told that we will build houses and another shall not inhabit them we will plant vineyards and we will eat the fruit thereof we will come together to worship him from one new moon to another and from one sabbath to another god's prophetic timeline is on course and you and i better ensure that we command our cadence to get into time with god adventists get into the prophetic timeline we cannot afford to be like other churches in these last days i want to leave with you a bit of counsel as you go into the new year someone requested it doesn't really fit with the sermon <laughs> but someone requested that i do it because this person is edified by it and i trust that because this person appreciates it you will be edified too it's a poem that i learned when i was just 10 years old in standard 3 or grade 5 if by radiat kipling if you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you but make allowance for their doubting too if you can wait and not be tired by waiting or being lied about don't deal in lies or being hated don't give way to hatred and yet don't look too good nor talk too wild If you can dream and not make dreams your master if you can think and not make thoughts your aim if you can meet triumph and disaster and treat those two impostors just the same if you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken twisted by nays to make a trap for fools or watch the things you gave your life to broken and stoop to build them up with worn out tools If you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it on one turn of pitch and toss and lose and start again at your beginnings and never breathe a word about your loss if you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve your turn long after they are gone and so hold on when there's nothing in you except the will which says to them hold on If you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue or walk with kings nor lose the common touch if neither foe nor loving friend can hurt you if all men count with you but none too much if you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run yours is the earth and everything that's in it and which is more you'll be a man be a man as we enter 2024 may our resolution be like that of the songwriter who said i would walk with you lord make my heart keep in rhythm with the beat of your own great heart of love i would talk with you lord Let my speech keep in rhythm with the pulse of your own great words of love. Take my heart and my soul, yes my mind and my strength. 
I give all, all to you, Lord of heaven and earth. I would walk with you, Lord. Make my heart keep in rhythm. And so as we say goodbye to 2023, and as we're about to commence 2024, the Holy Spirit exhorts us. If you already have good cadence, keep the cadence. If there are some areas in your life that need attention, correct, tweak, fine-tune the cadence. If there's no or little intentionality in your life, young people, I have a burden for some of you. Some seem just to meander through life aimlessly. If there's no intentionality in your life, command your cadence. Keep in tune with the heartbeat of God. Keep the cadence. Amen.